I'm Zach Miller, Editor-in-Chief of Tearsheet. The following was produced by Tearsheet Studios. We worked with Q2, a digital banking software company, to create a four-part podcast series on the interplay between banks and fintechs. We no longer view them as diametrically opposed. With new embedded finance and banking as a service technology, banks and fintechs can work together to serve customers better. Banks and fintechs can collaborate to give customers what they're best at delivering. My name is Jonathan Price. Uh, I run emerging businesses over at Q2. Uh, and really what that is, is uh, an organization that we set up in late 2019, early 2020, that bring together the fintech ecosystem and the bank and credit union ecosystem that Q2 has always served. And just to break it down a little bit further, there's really four legs of the stool to the emerging businesses group at Q2. The first two are the enterprise-wide functions of corporate and business development, so how we think about and execute M&A, uh, as well as partnerships. And then the other two legs of the stool are really what I would say are incubated startups inside the company. One called Q2 Bass, which is our banking as a service uh, business that I know, Zach, we, we spent time talking about in the past, and I'm sure we'll dig into here more today. And then uh, what we announced actually just a couple of weeks ago, Q2 Innovation Studio. And that's an interesting new business we launched in 2020 and just went sort of GA uh, last month, uh, where we're letting uh, the third-party ecosystem ride the rails of our digital banking platform, you know, our core product as a company, uh, and opened up that SDK to third parties, allowing them to access uh, the channel of banks and credit unions that use our digital banking platform. And that includes you know, over 18 million end users, uh, as well as uh, approximately 2 million small businesses. Many early fintechs took banks on, head-on. They saw themselves as substitutes for traditional FIs. They created an us-versus-them paradigm, which probably negatively affected both parties, as they viewed themselves as competitors. I think historically, they were, by both sides, viewed as competitors. Um, I think banks have certainly had to uh, face the reality that they were after similar customers, uh, threatening market share and position uh, that the banks had had an incumbency on, you know, dating back, obviously, a very long time. From the fintech or the brand perspective, and we kind of view it as fintechs and brands because uh, it, it's certainly broader than just uh, you know, financial services-focused apps that are relevant in this ecosystem. You know, for those folks, I think they viewed the traditional financial services players uh, as more of a set of commoditized services and uh, you know, felt that they, as, as these next-generation fintechs or brands, were better able to acquire customers efficiently uh, and probably more importantly, were able to solve for some key pain points around the experience, uh, convenience they were offering, and probably uh, more recently uh, experience around personalization that they felt were all superior to what a traditional bank or credit union could offer. The bank's first fintech story is changing. It's evolving as new entrants and existing players pivot to work with banks to help accelerate their digital journeys. It's changing in real time. I mean, not I, what, I'll, what I'll say here is this doesn't apply to all banks and credit unions in terms of their mindset around how this has changed. But I can tell you that there are new business models that are facilitating a different level and type of interaction between these players. Uh, the bank is a service space uh, broadly. Uh, and even what I talked about with Q2 Innovation Studio, models like that are bringing these two segments together as partners. And I would say the more forward-leaning uh, and technology forward financial institutions are definitely recognizing that to be adversarial as, as competition is not going to 
be the, the, the better outcome for the traditional FI. So banks and fintechs are learning to work together. These partnerships aren't easy. It takes experience and collaboration to get them right. But when they do work, they work well by best playing to banks and fintech's strengths. And so you're starting to see partnerships deepen over time. Uh, and really, both segments are finding their niche in the market and understanding that, respectively, they can be channel partners to one another and add value in ways that you know, put, put the, the right people in the right place to do what they do best. Uh, and so I think that's really what's changing is, is um, you know, the specialization uh, that makes the relationship work, what banks do well, their historical infrastructure, their regulatory experience, their understanding how to launch and manage banking-related products. That's a very deep domain expertise that the traditional FIs have that most of these fintechs and brands don't. Uh, and similarly, everything that the fintechs and brands are doing on the experience side, um, you know, how they're solving for key customer pain points around convenience and personalization, like I mentioned earlier, that's, that's really what they're good at. And so we're, we're seeing sort of the puzzle pieces fall to the right folks to do what they do well. And that's, that's at the end of the day, benefiting the end customer, whether the end customer is you or me as the consumer or a small business or even a corporate, um, you're putting out the best product to that end customer. I asked Jonathan to go deeper into why bank fintech or bank brand partnerships are being formed to answer explicitly what each partner gets from one another that they couldn't necessarily get themselves by going at it alone. Yeah, I mean, uh, it probably makes sense to break that question down by, you know, look at each constituent individually. So for a fintech, you know, outside of a few exceptions where we've seen a couple in the country go and get a charter and quote unquote own the bank, most of these folks are, are focused on, you know, the experience and the technology that they're delivering and have not gone and solved for all of the challenges around getting the charter, uh, understanding the regulatory paradigm and being able to solve for that the same way a traditional financial institution have and can. And so I think in the fintech side or brand side of it, it's really around that infrastructure and that history of understanding how to run and operate banking services that the traditional FI can bring to them. And you know, we talked earlier about how you launch and manage banking products you know, managing that latter point is not a trivial point. This is, this is a big organizational effort for both the FI and the FinTech. And so for the FinTech to have to stand up an organization around these offerings, and then also figure out how do you actually manage it when that's not what their core business is, it's a real challenge. So the, the bank is really bringing that to the FinTech. Banks are catching up to where technology is leading. Instead of looking at FinTechs as competitors, they're seeing the bigger picture of ecosystems forming and the important and central role traditionally chartered institutions play. And for the bank, you know, it's, it's interesting seeing at Q2 because we have so many banks and credit unions that are on our digital banking uh, platform. Today, I couldn't have said this six or four months ago, they're starting to recognize how this ecosystem is converging and they're wanting to participate. And so they view this whole opportunity, whether it's bank as a service or we can talk about the example of Innovation Studio in a bit, they view it as a way to participate in this ecosystem, not just economically, uh, but also because of the engagements that they get from their users that's incremental to what they're doing as their core business. And so banks and credit unions have a lot of reason to play in this space and partner with fintechs because it brings them into this, this market that, that's happening all around them, but also it gives them new opportunities for engaging with their customers, uh, deepening those relationships. One of the byproducts of technology moving into financial services 
is the pressure to compete, to launch new products, to better serve customers. With more options, it's easier for them to leave. This dynamic has accelerated everything. The one other point I'd add that I think is important is to this idea of each party delivering the value prop that they excel at. This entire market, whether we're talking about banking as a service, whether we talk about innovation studio and bringing these apps internal to digital banking, it's all about speed, right? It's about how quickly can you launch new products, get them to market and be efficient in offering it to end customers. And if you put each constituent and, and let them focus on what they do well, you enable speed and innovation to happen faster. Ironically, if technology is providing a disruptive force to banking, it's also providing the tools to help mitigate the disruption. More modern tech stacks enable banks and fintechs to more easily integrate, so partnerships and new launches can happen more quickly. Ultimately, I think what enables them to do it is a shared tech stack that's open, right, and, and allows the parties to collaborate to solve for whatever that use case may be. You know, if we use a couple of examples here in our vast business, you know, not being limited by legacy cores. And, you know, we are not a middleware in that business. Uh, so not being limited by, by legacy cores and having a real-time, you know, next generation cloud-based core has certainly allowed us to, to, to go down that route. If you think about our innovation studio business, what did we do? Um, we built an SDK and opened that up to our customers several years ago, back in 2017, but we never opened that up to third parties. And as soon as we opened that SDK up to third parties, allowed them to build their experiences interior to digital banking, you know, it facilitated this partnership model that wasn't there before. And so I think it's a combination of the, the market around this space opening up and allowing players to do what, what they do well and, and really connecting the different pieces of the puzzle in ways that wasn't done historically. So from what Jonathan is saying, it definitely sounds like partnerships are a path forward for the future and that collaborating together banks and fintechs can better serve their customers. But I asked Jonathan, given Q2's relationship with thousands of banks and fintechs, what's really in it for each party? What's the value for banks and fintechs to work together from their perspectives? And what should the end user expect from these tie-ups? Again, maybe helpful to go by each constituent here. I think to hit on your question, we're probably talking mostly about the end user and why would the end user care? And I think this is all about democratizing access to these services. Right. And so if you if you have sort of the best of both worlds where you can get the optimal cost, but also speed and the best solution, usually those things are, are binary. You're often you know, sacrificing cost for quality or vice versa. You know, the goal here for the end user, again, whether the end user is a consumer, a small business uh, or a corporate is to democratize access at the best possible cost and the highest level of quality. If you switch over to the bank or the credit union as they participate in this, kind of alluded to it before, this is about customer retention and diversification of their, their revenue stream and their business and ultimately end user engagement. And they, they can enhance all of those uh, by participating in this, this partnership uh, with these, these folks on the fintech or brand side. And then on the fintech or brand side, you know, it varies a little bit depending on whether we're talking about FAS or a model like Innovation Studio. But when you combine the efficiency that they gain from focusing on what they do well, combined with the distribution uh, or customer acquisition cost efficiency that a model like Innovation Studio can bring, uh, you know, giving them access to a large network, especially for, for a lot of the earlier and mid-stage fintechs, if you give them access to like what we talked about earlier, call it 18 to 20 million end users through a single point of integration, 
that's a pretty attractive channel for a fintech or brand that's trying to build their business that can you know a- avoid some of the cost of setting up a, a large distribution sales network um, and accessing something that's so captive like the bank and credit union landscape in the United States. If technology is helping speed the industry's maturation process along, it's also helping to speed up the models for the future. Money is also pouring into the sector, particularly to those fintech solutions that make banks do what they do better. That's making it clearer that partnerships are a way forward for banks. Yeah, I mean, I think as the market starts to realize how these things are all coming together, I think the cost of not doing so is very high for any one of the, those those players in the market. And so um, this, this is about how do we engage and solve for convenience uh, as efficiently as possible for each of those, those constituents. And so I think it's going to become more and more widespread. It might be early days, especially if you compare it to some of the more mature financial services offerings like our digital banking solution, for example. Um, but this, this is happening rapidly, and there is a lot of money that's funding all sides of this market, whether it's the fintechs or brands that you see in the market right now, whether it's uh, being funded by VC or growth equity or taken public through SPACs or traditional IPO methods. Um, there's a lot of focus and dollars going into this space. And similarly, on the FI side, this, this isn't a secret anymore. If you had this conversation with the bank or credit union a couple of years ago, you probably would have had a lot of what we talked about in your first question, which was you know, somewhat adversarial view, maybe even dismissive of the whole role that these fintechs and brands are going to play in the financial services market. You have that conversation with any bank CEO now, no one's dismissing it and everyone's figuring out how they solve for those same challenges with their traditional business as well. So as a model for the future and greased by technology, banks and fintechs can find opportunities to work together. Some are already doing it. But what about the ones that decide to go it alone? What happens if they don't decide to collaborate? I think, I think that would lead to you know, driving less revenue, uh, which ultimately leads to you know, less investment and, and less innovation and, and potentially customer leakage. I mean, there's been a talk track for years about the unbundling and rebundling of a bank. I mean, in many ways, this is analogous. If, if the market is solving for these problems by putting these constituents together, getting better quality innovation faster, uh, and putting that in the hands of all of the end users that, that it's relevant for, not, not participating in that market and, and letting others do it is just going to result in harm to those businesses, whether that's a bank or fintech making that decision, uh, sorry, a bank or credit union making that decision, uh, or a fintech not wanting to sort of take advantage of the benefits that a traditional FI can bring to them, whether that's the, the charter and the regulatory paradigm and knowledge that they bring or perhaps the channel that they offer, for example, with what we're doing in Innovation Studio, uh, I think ultimately um, that'll drive consumers to alternative platforms. Banks retaining customers and revenue sounds like a positive step forward. And for fintechs, these collaborations give them an opportunity to focus on what they do best, creating innovative products and services enabled by tech. It also means they don't have to put as much resources into building, managing, and retaining banking programs. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to make for better products that are faster and cheaper to develop. You know, I think if I were to think, think of one perfect example in our customer base, we have a very large fintech, one of the largest in the country that we're working with to help scale their business. And one of the messages they keep delivering to us is that any money that they don't have to spend on operations, bank readiness, uh, investing in, in the actual 
program management and infrastructure of their banking offering will all be spent on CAC, customer acquisition cost, and marketing and product. That's all they care about. And so the question is, is if we're efficiently putting the role of the financial institution and, and fintech together in the right way, then all of that excess money and focus is going to go towards optimizing the product and spending like crazy on marketing and efficient customer acquisition. If we get this right, if fintechs and banks learn how to partner better, Price sees benefits beyond financial services. He sees positive spillover to the economy at large. Yeah, I mean, we talked earlier about democratization and how that betters, um, you know, financial services access for all. I mean, I think that's what this is about. It's it's about whether it's the underbanked uh, or non-bank communities, whether it's access to a broader set of choice and competition for both the consumer and the SMB landscape, especially. I mean, at the end of the day, competition will drive better innovation for, for all the end users. Uh, and that's obviously an investment and an outcome that's positive for the economy. So, yeah, I think I think financial services are obviously a very important piece uh, of the broader economic picture. And um, as as these events unfold, I think it can have have a big impact on on all of that. And it, we talked earlier about the unbundling and rebundling. You know, often there's there's a dichotomy there between uh, you know best of breed and, and you know, one, one throat to choke or one, one single point uh, vendor that allows you to sort of simplify the world uh, in terms of how you're operating with third parties. You know, we kind of think that, for example, Innovation Studio is rebundling the FI with both, right? You can have best of breed, but you can also have uh, a single trusted point with your financial institution. And if you think about FIs, the traditional FIs, banks and credit unions coming together with fintechs, uh, and solving for that best of breed along with the, a single point that's easier for the consumer or the small business, I think that that has a big impact on the economy at large and on how consumers and small businesses are getting access to not just traditional financial services, but all of these related applications that are running um, you know, running these, these businesses today. It's, it's interesting, if I go back, maybe a, a bit of a side story, when we made the case to our board to um, essentially fund and invest this, this, in, this initiative around Q2 Innovation Studio, the data we saw was that the average small business in the United States was spending $200,000 a year on 20 disparate applications to run the, the small business around the FI. So I'm not talking about you know, specific to, to any one business. I'm talking about apps that are related to uh, running the business that, that have a financial component to it. So think about CRM on the front end or, or payables and receivables or back-end uh, accounting and finance e-invoicing applications. The average small business was doing that from 20 different providers and spending a couple hundred grand a year. And so our vision was, why, why do these two things have to be separate? Why can't we drive the bank and these fintechs together uh, which can benefit both parties, but more importantly, benefit the small business that's right now having to manage these 20 separate vendors. There's no reason that the FI can't also be part of these adjacent offerings and bringing those two things together. And that's really what the mission of the Innovation Studio is all about. This framework of bank fintech collaboration isn't theoretical and it isn't reserved for the far-flung future. It's happening now. FIs and fintechs are using Q2's ecosystem to partner and integrate launching new products into the hands of interested customers. We, we have a bunch. It's still early days in Innovation Studio. We're sitting at sort of 
call it around 100 FIs that are live and another dozen or so partners that are in the innovation studio. But I think one example that comes to mind based on your question is we recently went live with Experian in the marketplace. And in doing so, the idea was, is how do we put that capability, that, that credit scoring, credit monitoring capability in the hands of more of the consumers uh, in the United States? And we had one example, uh, really two or three examples right out the gate, but one particular FI that went live with Experian recently. And just in the first few weeks, saw thousands of members adopt uh, Experian usage inside the FI. And so, you know, when you think about the value proposition to all, to all the different constituents there, the FI obviously was able to bring a, a, a fintech, a, a related technology application that otherwise they would have no uh, relationship with or participation with and bring that adoption model interior to the digital banking effort that their users are logging into, bring their users or, and members, in this case, a credit union, a, a really value-added service. Uh, and for these, these members, you know, they, they got access uh, in a way that's you know, from their trusted financial provider. Uh, they got it quickly and cost-effectively and, and really you know, gives both uh, an engagement model that they didn't have before. That was not a product that a member would have gone to their traditional FI for. And for the FI, that, that engagement, that incremental usage and login activity that they will now see and display within digital banking, um, you know, that wasn't there before. So it's, it's really a win-win for all involved. That was Q2's Jonathan Price on how technology is ushering in a new era for banks and fintechs to collaborate. It's part two of a four-part series Tearsheet Studios is running with Q2. Go to the Tearsheet website to listen and read the other parts of the series.